0: What
1: the hell is the name of this thing? It's Wayne World. The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, crown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ball Z, the actual baseball on the field edition. I'm Evan Grant from the Dallas Morning News, joined by Kevin Sherrington, and the guy who I think in our open, his his, it's gonna go from he caught me in mid chew to let's name the ballpark in Arlington and put it in <laughs> Dallas, Barry Horn. Uh, and we are joined by Rangers hitting instructor Anthony Iaposi this morning. Anthony, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. What's going on, fellas?
1: Well, we're just we want to talk about this this club and, and hitting, and um, I got to admit that I'm confused. Because I look at a team yesterday that goes out, scores nine runs, seven of them after there were two outs, uh, that leads the major leagues in five-run innings, and then I also see a team that that you know has an awful lot of trouble. It seems like on the road, scoring scoring runs consistently. Um, which is this team's identity?
0: <laughs> we're still finding it <laughs> as a coaching staff as a coach staff, we talk about the same exact thing probably every couple of days. And as I, you know, sit here and watching video of the Angels and going over the exact same thing, looking at numbers and uh, about the run scoring innings and then maybe not scoring runs, you know, I think, I think getting Shinjo Chu back is going to be, be a big deal to our lineup because he's one of those guys that's able to slow that game down, the pace of the game, get on base a little bit more. Um, Kind of like Maz and, and Elvis are able to do. So, I think once we get Shin, Shin back in the, and Chu back in that lineup, it'll start rolling, and our identity will start coming. I think our, our identity now is still like continue to what they did last year, as far as the mentality of never giving up and and just continuing to grind. And that's that's just baseball. That's why you play so many games and play it every day.
2: What is the uh, – it's interesting to me when Chu comes back, and I, and I know that the plan was for him to bat leadoff because uh, Odor uh, brings a dynamic, there's no question about it, but his on-base percentage was a little less than what you'd like. Um, do you feel like Chu uh, – what is the optimal position for him to hit?
0: I think somewhere at the top of the lineup. I think our – you know, I think baseball overlooks the lineup a lot. You know, we're we're very versatile. Guys that hit different – in different places all year and, and our team as far as individual players don't as a personality they don't really care where they hit they just want to be in the lineup if they're not the lineup they're ready off the bench so I think with you is just putting them somewhere we get on base for for, for guys to, to to bring them in and and once we get on base you know when we're able to get on base we do a pretty good job of putting the ball playing score and run so the main thing is is to get on base if he's at the top of the lineup we have more opportunity to get on base but you know that's that's up to Danny and everybody talking about that. So we'll just find a way to plug him in somewhere, and he'll do his thing.
3: Is there a preferred place in the lineup for Nomar?
0: No, I don't. I don't think so. I think we're, wherever he's he's going to do his thing. Wherever wherever he hits, he's going to have the same at bats. And we have a few guys like that, you know. So I think with Nomar, you know, we, we have those lefties. So we're, we're just trying to not stack lefty, lefty, lefty. So. Norman gives us versatility in the lineup where he can hit three. And at 21 years old, he don't get phased by anything like that. He's just trying to be the best player he can be. So, you know, he can hit, you know, five. He can hit six. He can hit one. He can hit two. I mean, so he's a versatile player because he competes and uses the whole field. So, and he grinds on a So there's not really, there's not really a place for a set place for a few guys. We just keep moving around, I guess, according to you know who we're facing
1: that day. The, the, it is, you know, one stat that that sticks out to me, and and I know I pointed this out earlier that that Mazzara was um, uh, the youngest player to hit number three for this club uh, in a non September game when the team had been out of the race since uh, Ru- uh, Juan Gonzalez in in nineteen ninety three, and then Ruben Sierra in nineteen eighty six, and now he's hit in the number two, number three, and number five spot. So this is a special kind of hitter. Um, but I want to move on to your to to a guy that I think would be the number the preferred number 3 hitter and that is that is Prince Fielder. We we have seen some progress I think from Prince in the last week, but why has he had such a hard time kind of getting going this year?
0: I think when guys aren't where they want to be yeah, it happens to everybody at some point during the season, sometimes two to three times. But so I think when it happens in the beginning of the season, it gets uh, so much attention because it's in the beginning, you know, and everybody looks at batting average. And and that what, you know, as opposed to something happening like in July or something. But I think, I think you know, as as an individual, you don't – you could see things as a coach – or as, you know, a fan, or or what a hitter's doing, and then the thing about hitting is you never know how the person's feeling internally. Right, Like, their work could be great. I mean, this guy works incredibly, not necessarily hard, but he works right. He works with direction. You can see why he's been one of the most successful hitters in baseball. And even if that work looks great to us, still inside you may not feel what you're looking for, you know, until they do, and that's, that's what makes those players great, is they know exactly what they're looking for, and when they find it, um, they just continue to ride that out. So, you know, we don't use words like, you know, like slumps or anything like that because there's, there's so many at bats throughout the course of the season, and we just try to focus on that at bat in that game. But you know, he's going to be there. He is going to carry our team at some point when somebody else is going through uh... not getting hits and not feeling the way they want to. But he continues to show up and compete, and he just he's just through through not getting hits. He Continue to, to do his routine in the process of, of working each day.
2: So. The guy that, that this season has r- surprised me the most um, uh, it, it was, is Ian Desmond. And you know when the when the Rangers acquired him. The feeling was, that all the talk was about, well, how's he going to handle this transition to the outfield? And, you know, when you watched him just initially, you could tell, look, this guy's a good athlete. Of course, we knew that about him already, but you watch him in the outfield, he's a good athlete. I don't really think that was going to be a big deal. I, I-, I wondered, though, if he'd get back to being the hitter he was in his, uh, I hate to say it's his prime, he- he's in his prime, or he should be now, but okay. what he was a couple of years ago in Washington. And now we're st- it looks like, to me, we're starting to see that. Are you, are you seeing the guy now? Uh, with the Rangers that he was in, in, in 2012,
0: 2013, 2014? Absolutely. So I, in in spring training, you know, and you see the work that he puts in and, and the way he works is very detailed and very, you know, everybody's focused, but his intent is to be the best player that day and continue to improve my game and be the best player I can be, and that's how he puts it. And you could see him getting better in the outfield and in his routes and the confidence and now he's in that leadership position in the center where, you know, he can take charge a little bit more. But definitely seeing the hitter, you know, and that's something that Ian went through last year, you know what I mean, you know, that we talked about. It. You just don't know what's going on on the inside of, of, of a hitter and what they're doing because that's the one thing about hitting is you're, you're up there alone by yourself. Nobody's passing you the ball. So, it gets tough on your on your thoughts. It becomes a, a selfishly team game. It's crazy, but he's definitely the player that you know when 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 you see him on TV in the Silver Slugger Awards, and you see him have out bat and run the bases, and, and just his 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 camaraderie among players and his leadership in the dugout adds to those other guys with Adrian, and Mitch, and and Prince, and they, they, it works out great.
3: Not only that, but could. Not only with Ian, but with all players, if they feel more comfortable in the field, could that affect them at the plate? So, could he might be more comfortable playing the outfield than playing shortstop, and that has helped him at the plate?
0: Uh, I, I don't think necessarily with with Ian. Um, I, I know you know I've known some hitters where they moved from uh, maybe a corner position or third base, or they moved into the outfield, and uh, it gave him a less stress. Right. Feeling where they were relaxed more, and they were able to focus more on their hitting, um, but definitely not with not not that's not the issue with desmond you know he's he's hit before playing shortstop you know he's hit playing outfield, so um, I think sometimes you see with catchers uh, you know catchers struggle to hit a lot once because they're not able to work or they get beat up behind a plate, and then two is the fact that they're constantly you know picking up other teammates and and their secondary, their hitting always becomes secondary. So uh, Desmond Desmond's able to hit whether he plays short or center or lap. So I think I think uh, he's had that confidence uh, at the plate, regardless of what position he's going to play.
1: At. Hey Anthony, one thing about Desmond that I notice is um, he's in uniform and dressed before everybody else is every day. It seems like. Particularly for Sunday day games, he is in full uniform like three hours ahead of game, and I know that that tells me something, but I'm not sure what. What is it supposed to tell me?
0: It tells you that you can't take his jersey off once he once he puts it on. You can't take it away from him, and it's funny you bring that up because Hanser Alberto, one day I was walking by their lockers and they're across from each other, Hanser had asked them, you know, why you wear the, why you have your jersey on so early. And he goes, he goes. See where yours is hanging up, and he pulled it off. He goes, I will take it from you. He goes, once they put it on me, you cannot take this jersey. You're gonna to have to fight me to take it off. And I thought, I thought that that was awesome. So you know, when he puts on the jersey, it's game on. It's he's ready to go. So you, you're gonna see it on him early and in The day games. he has it on it. You know, for one thirty game, he has it on. At 930,
1: 10 o'clock, and, and we think it's great. <laughs> I, I do too. I mean, I, it, it to me, it does tell me that there's, you know, a, a readiness that he really, he, he, really looks forward to getting out there and playing. Uh, I, you know, I've, i talked to you a little bit about this earlier in the year when he started getting hot, and we all try and focus in on adjustments and, and what a guy might, might have, have done to kind of get himself into a better, uh. Have, find himself with more success and and i think your your perspective at that point in time was he's just kind of cleared his mind has there been any kind of actual physical adjustment that he's made or has there been an adjustment in his approach that he's made that, that you can identify
0: i think it's it was it was more of just like when, when we talked talked about it last time is is you know believing in the process and, and the work that you're doing um Understand that there may be adjustment. You know, he added just a tiny bit more space in his setup uh, to shorten his stride a little bit, but you know, it's it's still the mindset of I'm going to get through this. I've been through things like this before, and trust in your work and trust in your preparation. And that's probably the biggest thing is that when guys go through things where they're not getting hit, is to continue to trust because a lot of people always want to pinpoint things, and then it takes you away from your practice and your thought and you're not all in on your practice and that everything you do up to the game is to make you comfortable and confident when you step in the box. So uh, even when you're not getting hits and you're, you're believing in what you're doing, you're going to get through it. And I think that was that was the biggest thing. I don't think he, he questioned himself, but, but he was always trying to find ways to, to make adjustments.
2: He, he, he. You know, we don't. I don't know him very well. You know, I just talked to him a little bit, not much. You, you watch him being uh, interviewed after games. You know, he's he. He clearly does not like to talk. He's very pleasant about it, but he doesn't want to talk a lot. But this is a – everything else you hear about him, this is a really bright guy. And, I, and I, what I've heard is he has a really high baseball IQ. Kind of tell us a little bit about what it's like to deal with him. And is he asking you lots of questions? Does he want a lot of input? Does he – what is he like to deal with on a one-on-one he gets,
0: basis? No, he, he – from, from the first days of spring training in the dugout, you know, people will chart during the game. But mostly it's for notes for the next time we, we may face somebody or – and he's always coming back with, you know, the second sign or, you know, signs from the catcher or tips on the pitcher where, you know, he's involved in the game and he's involved in, in the defense to where he can maybe pick up an extra base. So, you know, he's a competitor but, you know, he really loves the the game part of it, the strategy part of it and trying to figure out how to win and how to how to how to beat somebody, how to beat the pitcher, how to beat the other team, whether it's defensively or offensively. So he loves that part of it. He's always talking about it. Um as far as players on the other team or where maybe he can get an edge or, or somebody else on the team can get an edge. So, you know, I think the high, when people talk about a player having a high baseball IQ, I think it's just because they love the whole aura of the actual game of baseball and not just I love hitting or I love pitching. They love the team atmosphere and winning. And with those guys usually comes the high baseball IQ because they're paying attention to everything. And that's what he's really good at.
1: All right. So, uh... Well, I, I need to go back to Mazar for one second, um, and, and then we'll let you go. Um, how great is he? <laughs> <laughs> great question. Dropped? That's good. That's insightful stuff. Way to go. I've always wanted to ask that question to somebody.
0: <laughs> yeah, you dropped the the, the names, you know, of Gonzalez and those are Those are really, really good major league careers. So, you know, I've been – I've been in four organizations, and the 20-year-old kids that I've been around with the moms it was Stanton and Cabrera watching him and then watching Addison Russell uh, with the Cubs, you know, at 20 and 21. And this, and everybody always wants to talk about the talent of these young players that come up, but the thing that I always see in common is the, the mentality of the even keelness is they don't panic, they don't worry they're very confident in their ability in themselves, and they're very confident in the way they practice. Um, but it's definitely the mentality of those guys, and, and he's very similar. He has that mentality. I remember the first day in spring training, I threw him some balls, and after about five swings, things started racing through my head like, holy cow, this guy's pretty good because he's very detailed in his work. He comes in the cage, and you can look at your, your, the energy and the body language of, this is what I'm trying to do. You know, so he could be—he's he's got a chance to be a really good player. You know, you never know what happens down the road, but if he continues to do, and knowing his mentality and what a good person he is, and how, how he works with direction and detail, he's got a chance to be really successful in this league. And he—he he loves it. He loves playing. Um, he loves hitting. He loves defense. He loves being a part of the team. But this guy could use the whole field. He could battle with two strikes. You know, he could take, he's going he's gonna to take even more walks as he, as he gets through it. He's able to earn that earn a walk at 21 years old in the big leagues. We were talking the other day. He takes a 95 mile fastball on it. It looks like and from the dugout, it was like 80 because of how slow he is with everything. And that's a mentality of confidence and, and, and knowing that, you know, I'm going to beat you today. And he brings it every day, especially for a young guy. And he's been great to watch. I, I actually learned from him watching him. So he's been great.
1: What do you learn?
0: Well, you try to pass that on to, to other younger players that um, just how to control your emotion. It's emotional intelligence more than mental toughness. So, the thing that separates guys is guys who it's an emotional game. You hit a line drive, guy dies, you're like, yes. And the guys that catch it, and you're like, oh, no. And just like that. So, when you're able to control your emotions and understand the things that you can't control, hitting the ball hard, getting a good pitch, Hitting a cutoff and things like that, and not get too stressed out about the other things, knowing that you're going to have that bat. That's the separator between hitters. You know, it's not necessarily the swing. It's who can control their emotions. So, especially when, when we think is maybe stressful times, it's just it's just another at bat. So you try to pass that information along to you know my only guys or other players. So, um, and you ask them questions. How do why why are you how are you able to do this and just. And then they always go back. It's just something I've always done. I've never thought. You, guys like that. What I learned is they play the game like Adrian, too. Like you see in these guys on the, a lot of guys on this team. They play the game like they're twelve years old. And once you lose that feeling, and things start to become about numbers and stuff, then you start adding pressure, and, and your emotions are like like a washing machine or all over the place. But so you continue to play that you enjoy it because you love playing. You'll you'll you'll, you'll be emotionally pretty good.
1: All right, Anthony, we appreciate the time today. I um, love talking, hitting with you and uh, getting a feel for uh, where this club is um, offensively. And uh, I'm sure that I will be bugging you again before the end of the year to uh, to talk a little bit more.
0: Yeah, that's great. I appreciate it. Whatever you guys need. Thanks, Anthony. Okay. Be well. Thanks.
2: You know, the 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 two things that to me so far this year, I, I know P, the fans always want to talk about Prince and I I get it, you know, because he he doesn't look good. He has looked a little bit better lately. I, I think that the stats you had earlier uh, in the year was that that he's just expanded his strike zone so much. He's just swinging at so many bad pitches. They're well, he's getting a anything.
1: lot more breaking balls and he's yeah. had to chase a lot more breaking balls. Yeah. And I do think part of part of that is that early in the year they weren't um you know, Delano wasn't getting on base in, in a leadoff spot, Yeah, and Chu was out. and They pitched around uh, him a little bit. Uh, yeah, they, they pitched around him, and they forced him to expand his strike zone, and he did. And so now he's having to, you know, kind of restructure his his strike zone. And I noticed something. I, I should have asked Anthony about this yesterday, but uh, uh, yesterday I noticed that on Fielder, you know, they play the overshift with the infield. The Astros had the outfield swung way around to the left. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just absolutely tempting him right. to try and lift the ball into right field. Yeah, uh, Because he had been, you know, when he did he, he did early in the year, he served some balls, and last year did as well, served some balls into left field to beat the shift. Right. And so now they're trying to take that option away from him. And it's very tempting for him to try and yank a ball into right field there because if he can get it over the second baseman's head, there, there's a whole lot of empty space is, there. Is right. the
3: best thing that happened to the
1: Rangers this year the chew injury? Kevin, can you explain what's going on right now, please? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing what are ca- you doing? <laughs> calisthenics.
2: <laughs> this is your idea of calisthenics? I, my, 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 You're my, raising your arms your up and down? Stiff. How old are you now?
3: 81, old, 82? My shoulder's, stiff, but, my shoulder's stiff, but answer my question.
2: Uh yeah, because you're talking about Mazzara. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'll say this: there's no question in my mind that if I thought Mazzara needs to play a whole year at AAA, and you know, if they need if there's an injury, obviously you bring him up. But if he comes up in September, that's the best thing. Well, I, you know, I keep waiting to. I, I tell you, the thing I say about Mazzara is that. Um, I don't think he's going to go in a slump. You you see guys get hot, and you see guys. We'll have a slump. We'll have a little bit of a slump. But the thing is, his approach is just so good. He covers up so much of the plate. First of all, where are you going to pitch him? Because pretty much – now they're going to start working him inside more often, I think, because he's so big. Uh, and and I have seen some of that, too. But the other day – But whole, he's got
1: good strike zone discipline, which kind of takes some of that away.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And the, what the home run he hit the other day, that pitch was inside.
1: Yeah, the one he hit yesterday, into yes. the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. He, And he had a very good game yesterday with the home run and then, you know, playing – moving – well, he started in left field, made a diving catch in left field, an all-out diving catch. And it was kind of – with the – with the dark roof and the light coming in, it was a little bit difficult to judge, but uh, I have not seen anything that phases him. No, and, he, he doesn't look like it. And you know, to me again, it's the idea that this guy's hit two, three, and five in his first month in the big leagues. It's clear that the Rangers feel like he's got the ability to handle significant responsibility. Let, let's talk about that that, that lineup. All right. In an ideal world, if everybody's healthy, well, okay, go ahead. Who who, who would be? How,
2: how would you? I, I, don't, I don't care about seven, eight, nine, but what would be one through six?
1: If everybody's healthy and yeah. productive, right? Uh, for me, I, I think that uh, ideally you'd go Chew, Desmond, Fielder, Beltray, right? Left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the question becomes, you know. The, the, that's where it gets a little bit dicey. Do you want to give it to the experienced guy in Moreland? Mm-hmm. Do you want to give it to the guy who probably has the most pop in in Odor, or do you want to give it to the guy who might be the best hitter in Mazzara? You know, I think it's a great question, and you know, we've all talked about the fact
2: that uh, that Odor, uh, of course, he's he was batting when he was, when he was batting, you know, seven, eight, nine back there, it was ridiculous. You know, this he's, he's better than that, and of course, I realized that it was just a maturing process. They wanted they wanted him to to be a little more. I think when he gets revved up too much, you know, then he's swinging and he's hacking at everything. The
1: reason they've dropped him back down into kind of the middle third, lower half is, you know, you start breaking down players and there's players who are on-base guys and players who are run producers. And very, very occasionally, very rarely, you get that guy who's a combination of both. Uh, clearly, if you stack up ruggie's strength his strength is as a run producer yeah and and so you want to put him in a situation where there's guys on base and he can take that big swing and and drive him in and and so that's why i think they've they've moved him down into the sixth spot and i think also one of the reasons that the rangers moved fielder back up into the three spot this week even though his average is still at, at, at 200 is that listen He's got to perform for this team to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And the only place that he's going to perform is the number three spot.
2: I've actually heard people say, Well, they need to drive in to light a fire under him.
1: It's like, are you gotta be kidding me? This right? is you know, and I had a conversation this morning with somebody about th- about this topic. Derek Holland, Okay. He's not performing well. Right. You Darvish is coming back to the rotation. Cesar Ramos has pitched pretty well. I don't want let, to. Let's let's not. I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say Cesar Ramos deserves a spot in the rotation over Derek Holland. But you get to the point where, when AJ Griffin potentially comes back, if that's in three weeks or four weeks, do you quote unquote send the message to Derek Holland and move him out of the rotation? Well, I think the only reason you move a guy out of the rotation is based on merit. And, and, and Performance. This is, this is a word that John Daniels has used with us: meritocracy. You yeah, know, sure. Who merits it? Yeah, and if AJ Griffin merits it, then that's why you move AJ Griffin in, not to send Derek Holland a message. It's not so much about sending to me messages it, and punishments. Don't no, no, they no, don't that's, resonate. That's not with what it, that's not what they're doing.
2: But but here's the thing. Also, you got to remember with Fielder and and the difference between him and a Holland. Holland's had his moments. But he's got no track record like Prince Fielder has. Right. Prince Fielder has a tremendous track record. Now, it hasn't been in Texas what it was before, but, you know, he's still been pretty good. He was good last
1: year. He was very good last he was year.
2: He very good last year. So you, you give him his opportunity to get this all worked out. Now, if it drags into the July, you know, then maybe you think about doing something different. But back to the point where when we're getting down there to, to the number five hole there, you know mm-hmm. what? Uh, I, I could see – I'd probably go Odor there, but I could see Mazzara. You know, my third choice for that is Moreland. Because I, I feel like Mitch more well. Moore, Mitch has
1: not not performed very well this year. No,
2: he hasn't. And, and, and to me, Mitch is a guy who's a streak hitter. That when he's on a streak, then then you want him up, right? Mm-hmm. But boy, he's not in a streak. You don't want him up. Uh, he is. I think he is probably the streakiest hitter on this team. And so to me, five is too high for him to be doing that. Yeah, I, I could see him uh, dropping all the way to, to seventh in the line Of course, in the point at that. At that point, is that... What's he doing now?
3: Barry's berries, uh, doing his... Uh, now I'm doing necks, neck exercises. Oh Why do you bring this up? Nobody at home cares. Nobody's in their car that cares. Just carry on while I... <laughs> Uh, to my morning,
2: my my morning wake up. Yeah, thank you. The problem is that they're running out of right handers to put up there. Yeah, and 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 that's a to me that's a real issue here. Is that you know what are you going to do? You going to put Elvis up there? Yeah. No, you don't want to put Elvis in the sixth spot. No, you, you don't want to put uh, you, you know the,
1: one of the I, you don't want one of the catchers up no. there. I, I think you could. I think there are situations where once Chir- once Chirinos is healthy um and even in, more chirinos than anybody else but you could potentially put chirinos in the sixth spot ideal no but no. There, there's not an ideal situation and somewhere you're going to have you're going to have multiple lefties hitting in this lineup and that's yeah. that's just the way it's going to be unless of course you know you do end up kind of platooning Moreland and Rua or fielder and Rua in some in some way then you've got a right-hander you might hit six i, I, I am a little bit worried about chu hitting leadoff. off you know, uh, leadoff's a tough position.
2: He's just coming back. He has expressed before, even though he hit, he's hit leadoff a lot in his career, he prefers he, he, hitting you know second or third. And and uh, not that that means he he can't do it. Obviously, he can do it. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, I think this is part of the problem of, of Delano De Shields going in a funk. Right? I, is right. that. Well you know last year he was very good in that role. How much how much better were they in, in run scored per game when he was hitting lead off?
1: Uh it was I, I think
2: it was more than a full run. I had to Wasn't go that?
1: yeah it was it was over a full run. It was a little bit less than 2, but I believe they were like a 3 run team when he didn't hit lead off yeah, and think, almost and, 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 a 5 run team when they did. I think
2: that's right. And that's and and you know uh, look I get it in center field. I I don't like Delano playing center field either. But uh, that's the one problem with everybody who's trying to just push him out of the lineup was that this guy, when he's on, is a pretty good leadoff hitter uh and and I, well he
1: when he's yeah when he's on when he's on and he's on base and he's running well and mm-hmm. he hasn't done any of that to this point plus he's
2: right-handed and that and that and that's another issue here this team is still too left-handed you know and and that's a problem when you get in the back of the lineup because then you're because i don't want to push O'Dor down any any farther than that either so if you don't if you don't hit him you know fifth you know where are you going to hit him because now, now you're stacking up left-handers
1: yeah you're gonna have you're going to have one of those guys hitting, you're going to have one of Moreland. Uh, either you're going to run three lefties out there in a row or you're going to have one of Moreland, Odor, and Mazzara hitting eighth. Yeah, Once you get and how crazy back. is that? Yeah. And I think of that
2: group, I'd put Moreland eighth. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think you know, and, and of course, part of the deal here is, is the surprise
1: guy. This and we just talked about him was Ian Desmond. Barry, could, do you want to get out yes. a downward dog pose and <laughs> say something? No, yeah, I want to. I want to talk
3: about the the players who probably be back this week, uh, who we have yet to mention. The pitcher, Yu Darvish.
1: What. what what will
3: that? He mean? will hit ninth when he hits. No, that's only when they. Th- he will hit ninth, right? Because they'll, they'll be. He'll be coming back.
1: Actually, I don't know. I'll, I'm going to be interested to see because every National League manager or every American League manager now seems to be hitting his pitcher eighth when they play in interleague games. Is that I'm, right? I had noticed a, a right. lot. A lot more are doing it. National League clubs are doing it as well, and and there's certainly some sense to it. I. I, I, I no, but see. I just don't want the podcast to get away with get away from us without
3: us mentioning. Uh, Darvish and, and, the, and the impact on, on the impact on the rotation.
1: Well, as you know, I, I think it it's pretty it's been a pretty significant week for the Rangers where it comes to pitching. Um, Cole Hamels on Sunday uh, really kind of worked out his his strike throwing issues. Was twenty first pitch strikes to thirty two hitters. What did you make of them uh, bringing him out for the eighth? I was a little bit surprised, but he was at he he was just right at. Barely under 100 pitches, I think, at that point in time. Do you think um, he asked to come back? Uh, did not get into that with anybody yesterday to, to get a real feel for that. But I, I do think that uh, there are two things in play there. One, uh, if he's still continuing to try and work on things and they've got a seven-run lead that they can give him, all the better. Secondly, you know, one thing that Jeff Bannister is really aware of as they rebuild this bullpen is – trying to use the least number of relievers possible as, as rarely as possible. And, yeah. and you would use Bush, Dyson, and Diekman on Saturday. You would use Dyson and Diekman on Friday. You know, you didn't want to get into a situation, if you could at all avoid it, where you might have to use one of those three guys. Um, and, and so I think the idea that you could get an eighth inning and then just throw Barnett and have confidence out there that he could get you through the ninth, kind of factors into that as well do you uh, uh so so we didn't get into darvish yet I, no and that's what i was going to bring up about
2: darvish is that uh, what do you expect will he be on a pitch count here a tight yeah pitch i think he
1: will be uh, you know early on in the rehab plan the idea eighty is, or so you think I, I think he'll be on about a 90 pitch count um he threw 87 yesterday I think rather than be ready to ramp him right up to a 100, 105, which would be the next you know, increment, I think the Rangers will try and keep him right at 90 for a start or two. Um, which means he won't get past the fifth. The, l- listen, they have tried to drum it into his head, you know, throw more fastballs. Don't worry about piling up strikeouts. I think he's cognizant. I think he's aware of it. Um, I think that he has the ability to do that a little bit more often. I think I, I don't think that six innings is is out of the realm of, of reality for him. But yeah, it may be it may be a couple of times where he goes five or he goes five plus.
2: I just think it's one thing for you to be working on something and then you get in the adrenaline of a game. And
1: that's the same reason that they don't want to go to a hundred and five pitch count right now because Ninety pitches in the minor leagues is a whole lot different than the stress of ninety pitches in the big. Yeah, league. You know the thing about Darvish and, and
2: Hamels is a little bit like this too, but Darvish especially so because he throws some. You know, it's, it's not just so, so much always wanting to strike people out as it is, uh, you know, this isn't working today, and, right. he's, and he's trying that. He's, that four seamer is not working, and so he's going to the two seamer. Now he's doing this, and now he- that's
1: a great thing that Cole Hamels said to me earlier this year about, you know, like when he doesn't have the four seamer. He'll go to the changeup as a as kind of a checkpoint for him because it slows him down, and it, then it allows him. You know, I I don't have this working, but I can use this maybe for strikes, and it may help me get back to being able to use that other thing.
2: Yeah, and 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 I think that he he tinkers, uh, Darvish tinkers especially so much in the first inning. That he's
1: a perfectionist, he yeah, he really is.
2: And so now you're talking about a 21, 23, 24 pitch count in the first inning, and that's to me that's what's going to be the key for him. He Can't afford those. He can't afford those, especially now uh, right. for for the first few starts. And so he really needs that. I think the key to me is going to be he needs to come out there in that first inning, you know, make it a 15 pitch first inning, and then I think that that will help him a lot. When
3: he gets back on the mound, he will be you. He will revert. He'll, he'll revert to. Oh well, I think he will too. I, I
2: think it'll be tough for him, especially first yeah. of all. So you I, you I know, think this. He'll first, revert
3: to what he knows best and what he does. and knows.
1: so it's now you're talking about instinctual and natural. Yeah, you know, what happens to the bullpen now? Right.
2: right. If he goes five, now well, you're talking about filling up. But now you also ends. have
1: this. You have this situation imply. You have Hamels going ahead. Hamels will pitch on Friday. Darvish will pitch on Saturday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your hope now with Cole Hamels is you get seven or eight innings out of him. Right. You basically give the bullpen a night off. Then you've got, you've got a full bullpen for the night that Darvish pitches. The big question, it comes right back down to it, what do you get from Derek Holland the night after? Yeah, absolutely. You know, is Holland ever going to get pitching? I mean, the, the more I talk to Derek, the more I listen. To me, it seems like this is a guy who is still stuck on the idea that he is a fastball slider guy who can get guys out with power stuff. But it's not, not there anymore. He's not that guy. It's not no. he's not that guy anymore. He's either got to learn how to throw another pitch or he's got to come up with extreme command and that's just not who he's been throughout no, his career he, ne-
2: he never has and, and, I, and I don't know why he would expect to be that now I you know I don't know I, I tell you what uh and before AJ Griffin got hurt I thought man this guy you know and I was not impressed with him in spring training the curveball was great people were sitting on a fastball hitting it about five miles so and then he comes into the season and he's just terrific and I think that's when you especially when you face a team like Toronto I think that they may end up facing Toronto again at some point this year uh, in October, yeah, that would have to, that It'll would be, be fun, a, won't it? It'd be really fun. And that team is a team you throw junk to, right? And and, and he throws it really well, right? And I and I just you know, and, and who knows if AJ Griffin can. Put oh, I, I in can guarantee.
1: I I will guarantee you this: if the Rangers face Toronto again this postseason. Derek Holland will not face the Toronto Blue Jays. I can't imagine why you throw him He will not out there. be part of a, Toronto, a, a rotation against the Toronto Blue Jays. His numbers against Toronto are as bad as Colby Lewis's were against Anaheim for a couple of years. He is not an option against the Blue Jays. Yeah, I, I don't believe he would be either. I tell you, I, I really like Ramos as a long reliever. Uh, that, that, Ramos as is a, is is a spot starter is a really good fit. You yeah, know, absolutely. Had, made three starts for the Rangers. They've been adequate to, yes. to average and and he's got the ability to to jump back into the to the bullpen. That's the kind of guy that you like is that swing guy. And I give the Rangers some credit for this. I mean, Ramos is basically was a reliever and you know, he had started I think 7 or 8 big league games over the course of his career, but the Rangers felt like this was a guy who they could, you know, have a have as a as a swing guy. I will give you this stat before we leave. The Rangers number 5 starter, which is basically a conglomeration of AJ Griffin and Cesar Ramos to this point has started nine games. Uh, the club is seven and two in those games. That's amazing. They are a combined four and one with a two point eight eight ERA as a starter, which would rank eleventh in the American League right now. Should be there. Uh, that well, th- that is no, it wouldn't because because Col- Colby Lewis was ranked tenth in the American League, <laughs> <laughs> which well. is another kind of amazing stat. But the the point there is the Rangers have gotten everything you know they went into the season knowing that they were going to need at least 6 weeks from a number 5 starter. They got everything they wanted and more from that spot. They are in a very good position with Darvish coming back.
2: Overall the rotation has been just fine. Even with Martin Perez's occasional struggles, even with Derek Holland's struggles, overall the, the starting rotation's been right. very good. It's been, it's been the bullpen. It's been the bullpen. We've made
1: we've seen them make changes to the bullpen this week. You know, Sam Dyson came out on Friday, had a a rough First outing, and I thought Sam was very honest afterwards. That so he said the adrenaline might have been pumping a little bit too much. Fell behind the first hitter three and zero. That's not Sam Dyson. Got himself into some trouble, and then came back with some really good pitches. Second night, back to back night, seven pitches, two first pitch outs, a strikeout of Carlos Correa, and the game it was impressive. And you back that up with with Diekman in the eighth inning now, and and the possibility that Matt Bush can fill in as the Keone Kella type guy in the seventh inning. That is a poss- That that's that's. Let me ask analyzing.
2: one quick question, because I know we got to get out of here. But
1: lunch is calling.
2: But why did the skipper wait so long on Tolleson when when he brought him into that game after I thought this was a pivotal game in the season when Ian Desmond it just got you the lead back in the top of the ninth inning. A dramatic home run, a huge moment. That team was sky high. And when I and when the camera panned over and showed Sean Tollison warming up, I thought, oh my gosh, is this a mistake? Surely he's not going to put Tollison in now. And he did. It was the worst way they could have possibly lost a walk off grand slam, which should have put the the, the lid on everything and of course it did it did, it did. It it did totally at that out. point but but even that was not enough you don't bench a guy because of one bad outing I, I clearly the skipper thought oh. this is piled up
1: yeah I think at that point in time it had and I think you, you do get to a point with a guy where you feel like okay it's it's something where I need to unplug him from leverage situations and you give the guy to the benefit of the doubt I think one thing that managers have to do is we all sit here and say, "Oh, they got to pull him out. They got to pull him out." Fans say they got to pull him out after one bad outing. Right? Um, managers have to try and stay the course a little bit. And you also factor this in, okay? If this bull, the idea that if you leave Tollison in the closer's role, if he can figure that out. You have less moving pieces around the bullpen, right? I think that's where his main focus was because the minute you start having to move Dyson into the closers' role, there is a difference between closing an occasional sure. game and being the closer. Now all of a sudden you're taking Matt Bush, you've got to put him into a key late inning situation. So if you can avoid moving all those pieces around, you try and do that. You got to the point where you were left with no choices, um, and it made it. And I think in a lot of ways it made it very clear. It, it removed any ambiguity gave up a game winning grand slam. Yeah. You had to take him out at that point in time and Ke- make a clean break. Kevin
3: Evan to be very negative when I ask him, so I'm gonna ask you this. Because okay, we have ahead. to get out of here. What other podcasts do we have going this week?
2: You know, the other podcast we had—we had one with uh, with a guy here on staff that Evan likes to call Lamster the Hamster.
1: I do not.
2: <laughs> he... The guys go
1: to Harvard. Mark next month.
2: Mark Lamster was on to talk with us about ballparks in general and the fact that this new one is going to be in Arlington and not in Dallas. It was a great
1: conversation. It, it really, really was. It was
3: it was very cerebral. Something that I'm not used to hearing on this. Yeah, podcast. I know,
1: and that's that. It was cerebral right up until you proposed. <laughs> well, let's build a stadium in Dallas. But call it the ball. No, that's charlotte. not what I propose. I propose if they want <laughs> to get name recognition
3: ha- Is that what he proposed? If they want to yeah. get name recognition, this is how to get perfect name recognition. Dallas gets the team. And they okay, they Barry. You, you explained it anyways. before, Barry. Stop trying to explain.
2: And, it. and, and your children have talked to you about screaming into the microphone. Genius. You Kevin, just, what else you we have Mark Lampson? We had Rick Goslin on the, the, the NFL Hall of Famer to talk about the Cowboys' lack of defensive players in the draft. He's not happy Impact. with the draft. He's not is is he? happy with it. No, and no. I, I I agree with Goose. I agree with part of it. Yeah, with yeah. part of it. Well, part, I, don't I had a you, problem with Zeke Elliott in the first round,
1: but you you're, the thing is by taking Zeke Elliott. You lose out on a on a, on a defensive a player. Who were, who gonna,
2: biggest issue was the second round. Who, it was, that was my biggest issue. The second, but who are you going to take a defensive player in the first? Round? If you didn't take Jalen Ramsey, there was nobody worth taking. Oh, I got
1: zero issue with them trading back a spot or two and taking Buckner for Oregon. I don't like Buckner. But you know, Buckner's not that kind of
2: player. He's not that kind of impact player. He's a good. He's a nice player, but he's not a big time pass rusher.
1: And when I'm he not. said Leonard Floyd from Georgia, it got me kind of yeah, got you excited. I know. noticed okay. you smile? Is that
2: music back there? Brian, are you are you playing music? Brian's got his guitar out. Brian's asleep. Out. Brian's got his guitar out. Here he comes. Listen to that man. So we're done can for pick the, that
1: axe. We are done for the week. It's been great talking, to everybody. It's been a great ballsy morning. It has been. Bye. Goodbye.
2: So long.